This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Feisty, fearless, and fair. Telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Well, two big debates, and there were a number of them across the country. And tonight, we are going to talk about your thoughts on two real big ones. We'll also bring up the Michigan debate, because that happened, of course, last night, was the big DeSantis and Charlie Chris debate. But tonight, all eyes were on New York and also Pennsylvania, and boy, two very, very different debates. Um, some of them, similar tactics. And one thing that I found was really effective, uh, first off, on an overview perspective, as you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show, first off, I love debates. I always watch them. I've moderated a whole bunch of them. I've never been a politician debating in a debate. But it's always interesting to see how do they handle certain questions? How do they maybe fumble? Was there a knockout punch? Um, did anybody move the dial? And I first want to talk about the Zeldin-Hokel race. Because the Zeldin-Hokel race I thought was really interesting. I thought there were some really good exchanges kind of back and forth. And two very different politicians. Uh, you saw... Lee Zeldin, of course, the GOP gubernatorial candidate, current congressman. There he was in the debate, and that was just a few hours ago. Very much energized. I thought um, he was very spirited. I thought he was feisty. I thought he was direct, often looking into the camera and kind of saying, you basically, don't you want change in New York? Bringing up the point that New York has had the biggest exodus of population of any state in the country. That's not something to be proud of. Also talking about crime. He also went after Governor Kathy Hochul for pay-for-play allegations, went after her about the nursing homes. Um, I thought Lee Zeldin, I thought, was really energized. Um, I thought he has done better than I've seen him in other past debates. And I thought he was very powerful. And I thought he served himself well and also said, listen, New Yorkers want something different. Uh, New Yorkers are seeing crime. New Yorkers are seeing this. And I thought he was also really effective at the point where he kept going after Governor Hochul and saying she still won't say anything about punishing criminals. Because every time it came to the crime question, Governor Hochul kept punting and started talking about guns, guns, guns. And then he would say, she's not saying anything about locking up criminals. And she still didn't answer the question. I mean, it was actually really amazing to me for someone who has been a politician for a long time, as Governor Hochul has been, uh, that she kept kind of punting and didn't even kind of even answer it. And then he came back to it again. And I think it was like maybe 30 minutes into the one-hour debate that she finally said, 
something like, well, criminals should be held accountable. But she wouldn't say anything else beyond that. She wouldn't say anything about Alvin Bragg, soft on crime DAs. She wouldn't talk about the revolving door, the repeat offenders. And I thought Lee Zeldin was very effective when he said, listen, you've only started talking about beefing up subways because guess what? You see that crime is a big issue in the polls. And he looked right in the camera and said, you guys deserve better. You want change. Are you happy with the way New York is going? Are you happy? And even compared it to 1994. And he said, there's this moment like 1994 that led to Governor Pataki. There is this moment that essentially crime is so bad. The economy is so bad. The situation is so bad that don't you want change? And I thought actually Lee Zeldin did a great job. I thought he served himself well. I want to hear your thoughts, everybody. Who do you think won the debate and why? What were the high points? What were the low points? And did you learn something? Is there something that you saw that actually is going to change your mind on how you are going to vote? Because as much as we've been talking about it here on the Rita Cosby Show, and I have been very much following these races closely, we've had both Congressman Zeldin and the governor, Governor Hochul, here on the show. I have everybody on. You know that. Um, A lot of people maybe saw them both for the first time and saw them in not necessarily, quote, a stump speech. And so this may have been the first time for a lot of people, and there's still two weeks till Election Day. Obviously, a lot of people have cast early votes. But if you look at some of the latest polls, some great news, by the way, for Zeldin heading into this debate, the momentum was on his side. And that's the candidate that if he can keep that momentum and if he carried it into this debate and continued it after the debate, that could change the dial. And in fact, it was listed as obviously, basically, a Democratic win a couple weeks ago. Now it has moved to a toss-up. It could be anybody's race. So the question is, tonight, did Kathy Hochul look too cool for school? And I say that to you because she kind of had this, I'm the incumbent, I can sort of sit back and I describe it as sort of a Cheshire cat. Like, yeah, look at everything I've done. I've been here. You don't know what you're talking about. You are just sound bites. I'm experienced. You're sort of the little young cub uh, who's just touting a big game. That was the strategy that she had. She was much more kind of contained and just kind of standing there smiling, looking like I got to get through this debate and not lose my cool and no big deal. I'm just going to kind of keep on going. And he came out swinging and said, no, we deserve change. No, on nursing homes, you were silent. Where were you on this? Crime, you were silent. Where were you on this? So he, I think, did the role that he had to play. And she, I think, did the role that she had to play. The question is, was there something that moved the dial? I think there were definitely a lot of questions on pay for play that I think if people hadn't heard the stories about the Buffalo Bills and all the money that was spent, taxpayer money, to keep the Buffalo Bills, uh, where there was no you know, bidding contracts on the plans for the stadium, and it's a whopping hundreds of millions of dollars, basically the biggest expense New York City, New York State, rather, has ever had. 
And there were a lot of questions about why that happened. She kind of was like, oh, I'm glad you asked that question. And you know, when somebody says that, they're like, oh, God, I can't believe the moderator is asking this question. You could hear it in her voice. It was like, okay. And then everything with her was Trump, 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 Trump. It was interesting. No matter what almost Lee Zeldin said, she's like, well, you know, you are, you're an uh, election denier. You're a climate denier. And you're a Trumpy. Everything was Trump, 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 Trump. And then she just ignored it. She went back to guns, 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 guns. So it was like two words, guns and Trump. Everything about crime was getting the guns off the street. Nothing about getting tough on criminals. Nothing like that. And the only swipe she really, I think, kind of kept digging, and clearly that was her mission, was to go after Zeldin for supporting Trump and also supporting uh, some of the certification that took place on January 6th, one of four New Yorkers, New York politicians, uh, that was in Trump's corner. And she kept saying, you know, you're Trump, 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 Trump. And he basically said, you are corrupt, 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 and you are inept, inept, inept. So which one won the day, guys? I actually think Lee Zeldin had more energy. I think she didn't hurt herself, but I don't know if she helped herself. And I actually think Lee Zeldin came across more energized, more feisty, more spirited, more pointed. I think there were moments that he could have even gone after her harder on crime. I'm glad he kept highlighting you're not going after so-and-so. He brought up the, uh, of course, uh, you know, Alba case, the Jose Alba case of the bodega guy, saying he was charged. This is under your regime. This is your DA, and you won't do anything. I thought for a little bit of time, I thought the moderators did a good job. I thought a couple times the moderators, it was like the moderators and Hochul were ganging up on Zeldin because you could sort of see where some of the moderators' political philosophies lied. But I thought he did a decent job at handling it. Where do you think things came out? And do you agree with me? And does this move the dial? That is the key thing because this race is huge. Can you imagine if suddenly New York State, bluer than blue New York State, if suddenly it becomes a Republican governor's office? Can you imagine if it goes back to being read. It's been a long time since the governor's office has been in Republican hands. Is this the one to do it? And is this moment, because crime is so bad and the debate was so much focused on crime, appropriately so, that this could change the dial? Her sort of nonchalantness, her sort of lack of answers, everything was guns, 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 guns. And he did appropriately, again, hone in that that's all she's saying and not saying anything about criminals, criminals, criminals. Is it enough to change this race that is literally neck and neck? And now, election night is two weeks away, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Here is Congressman Lee Zeldin just a little bit ago going after Hochul on her answer about crime. Take a listen. The first thing I'll do right after I'm sworn in office is turning the Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg to let him know that he's being removed. And it's from day one that he was a district attorney. He said that he was got, not going to enforce all different kinds of laws across the board. Others he treat as lesser offenses. Look what happened to Jose Alba. He gets attacked. He's defending himself. 
Alvin Bragg sends him to Rikers Island, slaps him with a murder charge. He had an open stab wound. Alvin Bragg asked for hundreds of thousands of dollars in bail in this case, but doesn't go after the person who stabbed Jose Alba. We reached the point where Jose Alba said that he needed to go back to the Dominican Republic because he didn't feel safe here. Alvin Bragg is not doing his job. The message will absolutely be sent that if you're the DA, it stands for district attorney, not defense attorney. Alvin Bragg can go be a defense attorney, but if he's not going to do his job, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to remove him as soon as I can. And he brought up that Hochul said, well, I'll give him some slack. And that was a long time ago. How much slack uh, do you give somebody? Well, here is her response to Zeldin on soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg. In Lee Zeldin's world, you overturn elections you don't agree with. You can't throw out someone who is duly elected. Yes, I've worked with all of our district attorneys and given them more power to do their jobs. But for someone who voted to overturn a presidential election... I'm not surprised he just thinks whenever he wants to do something, he can just you know, undo the will of the people. That's not the democracy we live in, but it's the world that Lee Zeldin does. Did you hear that? For somebody who likes to overturn an election, everything was January 6th, Trump, 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 Trump. Was it effective or were his zingers that Lee Zeldin looked and said, you will not talk about criminals? You will not talk about this. You will not talk about that. I think he could have even been tougher, but I think he came with some energy and he came with game and she just sort of looked back and said, hey, look at all the great stuff I've done. And our New Yorkers saying, oh, yeah, is it enough to sit back on your laurels when New Yorkers are seeing skyrocketing crime, huge inflation, huge issues, and she just has a few talking points. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norm on line one. Norm, your thoughts about this. What do you think, Norm? Yeah, Rita, look, I think that for me, Zeldin won. Um, I think he was higher energy. I think he covered um, the issues. I think, of course, Kathy Hochul looked like she was smoking marijuana all day. She looked kind of like dopey. And she, uh, you know, just hit on the same issues that they always hit on, that they hit on when I went to that rally on Sunday. Uh, You know, climate change, uh, abortion rights, and uh, Donald Trump. And that's all they got. Um, Whether it it moved it, I don't know. But in my heart, I really feel like Zeldin's going to have a landslide. I don't think it's going to be close. Um, See, I disagree with you, Norm. I I disagree with you. I don't think we're going to see a landslide. Um, and by the way, I'm going to be covering election night, so I'll be with you when the okay. results come in, which I'm I'm thrilled. But I'm telling you, I do not think it'll be a landslide, but I do think it's going to be very close. And okay. and I think I think um, I would not be surprised if he wins because I thought he was very effective. I think crime is is a huge issue. Um, I don't think the polls are off that much. And that's the reason I say that, Norm, Um, just because New York is a blue state and Mm -hmm. it is neck and neck right now. But also, guess Mm -hmm. what, Norm? It's two weeks until Election Day and momentum's on his side. And I'd much rather be on his side in terms of momentum going his way. The question is, will the debate keep it up? And sadly, um, you know, look, I hate to say it. There's been so many crimes that have happened even just in the last few days that may continue to highlight his point about why we need somebody with law and order. So it could advance his lead, but I still think it's going to be a tight one on election night. But, but mm-hmm. go ahead, Norm. Go ahead. 
No, I, I think, look, I think people are suffering too much in this state. I think they're suffering too much. And uh, I don't see the Democrats providing them with comfort. And so I uh, will see, Rita. No, and, uh, and by, the, by the way, by the way, I hear you. And that's why I think her being, I use the kind of too cool for school, you know, like like analogy. And there was a little bit of that, by the way, um, with Eric Adams during the mayoral debate. Remember, it was sort of like, right. hey, I'm ahead. I don't need to worry about right. it. Um, and But in a, in a race, like especially here, where it is so tight um, and, and at a time where crime is just so bad right now, mm-hmm. you look at somebody who's a little too reserved, that could turn people off. Like to me, it looked like, you know, she said, oh, yeah, I'm talking. She kept going back to guns and school shootings. Um, because everything was guns, guns, guns. And it didn't satisfy me that she really has a plan for attacking comprehensive crime. You know, and she was like, look at my record. And I thought, yeah, I am looking at your record. That's the problem. You know? <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. I think the too cool for school could turn people off, Norm, real quick. Mm-hmm. No, I I agree with you, Rita. Other than I, I really, I, I think it's going to be a larger win and I think I think a lot of the polls, I think a lot of this is smoke and mirrors. I mean, I just know from my own my own um, phone banking, uh, I'm hearing a lot of people. I don't hear pretty much anybody going, I'm voting for our Hochul click. I'm not hearing any of that. I'm hearing a lot of people saying, yeah, man, uh, I can't talk now, but I'm voting for Zeldin. Okay? Yeah. And, and, I, and by, and by the way, taking- there is passion. You, you hit a great point, Norm, because there is passion on the Zeldin side and – you're right. There's not like this. Oh God, I got to vote for Hochul, and I don't know if she gave them a reason to feel that way tonight either. To your point, so and there's a lot of people who don't even answer. You know, when they get polled, um, you know, people who are especially on the GOP side, they're very suspicious of pollsters and polls and all that stuff of late. Um, so you could be right that it could be a wider margin. I just think it's going to be a tight one, um, but. I would not be surprised if Lee Zeldin pulls it out just because given the timing, and I did think he did a very good job tonight. Everybody, we're going to continue with your calls, 800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And we are talking about the big debate, the only debate... Uh, that will take place, as far as we know, uh, between Kathy Hochul and Lee Zeldin for the New York governor's race. The reason the whole country is watching this. And by the way, in the next hour, we're going to talk about Fetterman and Oz, because that was a wild debate. Very different. Uh, so we're going to analyze that in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show. Uh, but this race, the Zeldin-Hochul race, is fascinating because, of course, New York, a bluer than blue state, so the question is, could it turn red in the governor's office? Some of the polls now are really showing it is anybody's race. And tonight they both threw a couple barbs at each other. Here's a little bit of Hochul doing a little shade on Zeldin. 
You can't talk about, because all you have is rhetoric. I have a record of getting things done, and that's what I'm happy to talk about. It doesn't come down to you firing one person and you changing one law. It's a much more complicated situation. And here is Zeldin firing back. I have not a problem with job-creating projects. I have a problem with corruption-creating governors. And when she has these pots of money that she creates for herself so that she can spend her campaign, this Rose Garden strategy, how's that working out, going around every single day and doing press conferences, handing out your money. Now, I think if you get your money back as taxpayers, you shouldn't be, and that's a very rare thing that happens when you get money back. This governor actually put on the property tax check that it was courtesy of her as if you owe her a thank you. Very Interesting. And I thought that was a great response. Let's go to Steve in Long Island, line four. Steve, your thoughts. What did you like and what didn't you like? My hat's off to you and your crew. Like you said, I agree with you. Lee Zeldin did a very good job and he was cool, calm and collective. Kathy was kind of like monotone, uh, you know, kind of loopy. But I feel he missed the opportunity to deliver the knockout punch. When he talked about digital gadgets, he should have went further into detail. Well, you awarded a $637 million no-bid contract to a company in New Jersey called Digital Gadgets who doesn't even produce COVID kits. He did say that. He should have went further. They charge us $13 per kit as opposed to the old company under the old contract only charges $5 per kit. I hear you, Steve. We're going to continue after the break. I agree there were some missed opportunities. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story coming from Homestead, Florida, where a South Florida father is opening up and expressing his gratitude toward the police officers who jumped into action when he and his son found themselves fighting for their lives in a canal. Darren's Hatfield said he is infinitely grateful after a group of Homestead police officers risked their lives to save him and his eight-year-old son from drowning on Saturday morning. He said, I am very thankful. I'm still so thankful, and I always will be thankful. He said what he described as a near-death experience happened when he and his son were fishing in a canal when his son, who can't swim, fell into the water and quickly began to struggle for air. When I saw that, I knew I had to get in there and get into the water. Whether I could swim or not, I had to try. I was not going to sit there and let my son die, unable to swim himself due to a stroke that he suffered last year. He said he jumped in anyway. I brought him in some, and of course, because I had the stroke, my wind and stuff is not the same, so I had to go and get a break and then go back and get him. Fortunately, help was just a few feet away. Homestead police officer Salvador Lopez said, as soon as I heard the father screaming, it brought my attention over there. Lopez and two other officers who happened to be working at a nearby intersection raced over. I went ahead. I jumped in with all my duty gear and brought the juvenile male to the pavement. I was able to bring him to safety. And that meant so much to me. Thankful to be alive, the father said that he and his son would not be here today if it were not for the officer's heroic actions. What a powerful story about how important it always is to back our great men and women in blue, uh, many of them who are just standing there at the ready, ready to protect all of us. Well, by the way, that was one of the focuses of the debate tonight was policing and crime big time. In fact, 
a big portion of the start of the debate was all about crime. How can we get a handle on crime? Uh, I'm talking about the New York governor's debate. And it was clear that all Hochul could say was guns, 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 guns. I'm cracking down on guns. I've done this on guns. I've talked to the president about guns. Um, and Ho- and Zeldin fought back and said, you know, she's not talking at all about this revolving door of criminals, not talking about locking them up. She won't even say she didn't even say the word. I don't think Alvin Bragg all night or if she did, it was like so quickly in passing. She would not address the fact that there is a soft on crime D.A. in New York that she could rein in and she is not doing so. And now and listen, Zeldin did bring that up. I actually think Zeldin could have hit her even harder on that. I think he could have said, you are soft on crime. You have allowed this. You have allowed this. Um, but he did go after her. The question is, is it forceful and enough? Will it continue his pace going up as she has continued to drop slightly in the polls? And is it enough for him to win with now Election Day literally two weeks away? Well, you could tell that clearly all the Democrats around the country had some like talking points meeting for debates. Um, and I think it's interesting that she picked the night for the debate. It happens to be the same night as the Fetterman-Oz debate. Everybody's watching that. She knew she had to do a debate because people would say, how come you're not debating at all? Zeldin wanted many debates. She wouldn't do it. They finally agreed late on Sunday that they would do this one. And she clearly went in with sort of one message in mind, locking in Zeldin to President Trump. Take a listen. Everything was January 6th. Here's one of her lines. You know, I know you're an election denier, but also a climate change denier. I mean, it's absurd that you live on Long Island and we're talking about the 10th anniversary of Superstorm Sandy. That federal money can be used in our state to build up resiliency so we don't lose people's lives again. We have to have smart economic policies. I know how to create jobs. Ask Micron why they came to New York with 50,000 jobs, because we know how to do that. And I'm going to continue focusing on building our economy back. And then there was this moment where he replied to her and basically said, you're not talking about Alvin Bragg, soft on crime Bragg. Take a listen. Now, listen, you're a New York voter out there. You're worried about security on our streets and our subways. A question gets posed about a Manhattan D.A. who refuses to enforce the law. And all that my opponent can come up with is talking about the last election. Think about that. Now, we don't have recall elections in this state. But when they crafted the New York State Constitution, they gave the governor the authority to remove a district attorney when they refused to enforce the law. And I'm going to do what is not just my constitutional authority, but my constitutional duty to keep the people of this city, of this state safe. And I thought he was really powerful at that moment. And then here are the questions from the moderators. One about President Biden. This was addressed to Hochul. Listen to her answer. Do you want to see Joe Biden run for reelection? Yes, I do. He has delivered for the people of this country in ways that we still don't know the benefits. Yeah, we sure don't know the benefits. I'll agree with her on that. Has anybody know the benefits of that? I, I wish they had said, what do you think he's done really great on? Do you think he's done great on the economy? Does, has he done great on the border? Has he done great on Russia? Please fill us in. Elaborate on that. And then the question was posed to Zeldin about Trump. Listen to this one. Do you want to see Donald Trump run for president in 2024, Lee Zeldin? Not even thinking about it. I'm focused on 14 days from today, defeating Kathy Hochul and saving New York State. So he was like, I'm not thinking about it. Then he did recite some of the things that Trump has done. And Hochul, you could say, was, oh, well, that he clearly still is a Trumper, you know, basically. So she's like, Trump, 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 guns, guns, guns. 
And he's like, crime is bad, economy is bad, and I'm New York, you need a change. And she's like, look how great I've done. Don't you want more of it? Is there anybody out there who thinks things are great out there? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Susan. Uh, line two. Susan, your thoughts? Yeah, Rita, I think that New York State is so blue, but the reality is in 2020, of 62 counties in New York State, only three of them did not vote a majority for Donald Trump. And those were the urban areas, which are getting hit the worst by these, in, you know, inane policies, uh, crime, education. They barely scratch, they barely even said anything about education. And I don't think Lee really had a big chance, but I will say, he had a strong finish, and she asked a question like uh, about, you know, would you vote for Donald Trump? And Lee was able to quickly say all the policies that he supported, the policies that benefited New York. Yep. So, you know, I, I think, it, you know, the, the bottom line, he did not hurt himself, and he probably helped himself. But, oh, I do believe that he is going to win in a bigger – I've been spending most of my time upstate now, and um, I do believe that he is going to uh, win by a, uh, a probably a greater margin than people think. Very interesting. Susan, thank you very much. Um, and he may, um, you know, often – and listen, it is two weeks away, guys – I'm not, you know, I'm also honest when I'm on the air with all of you guys. I think it's going to be a tight one. I really do. I think it's going to be a very tight race. Um, But I also think two weeks is a lifetime. I mean, look already. He has moved up a lot in the polls because his message is punching through. People are seeing with their own two eyes the crime that's happening on the street, the drugs on the street. Um, That was another issue, too. And I'll play that in a few seconds because... You know, on the marijuana issue, she was like, yeah, marijuana is pretty good and, you know, basically love it. And his answer was, heck no. You know, I mean, there were some areas where it was like clear contrast um, on shooting up centers, you know, like the whole Bill de Blasio shoot up centers. You know, he was like, no way. And she was like, well, I need to kind of look into it more, which means after the election day, you know, I'm going to add about 30 or 40 more of them and <laughs> translate that into a you know politician speak. Um, but. I think two weeks is a lifetime and a lot can happen. And already he has moved up a lot in the polls. I think if it happened today, it would be a very tight race. But again, who knows what's going to happen in the next two weeks? I mean, a lot of things can happen. Um, And I agree with you, Susan. I don't think he hurt himself. I think he helped himself. I'm not sure if she helped herself. Um, And the fact that I think he did help himself, is it enough is the question. 1-800-848-9222. Um, let's go to David, uh, line five. David, what do you think of the debate? You watched it. Yeah, good. Well, I listened to it. I couldn't see. You, you forgot I'm blind. Ah, David, well, I didn't yeah. I didn't know who was calling. I just saw David. So oh. thank you very much, David. I'm glad that you're here. So you heard it. Actually, David, it's actually really powerful that you're on because from hearing it, sometimes, you know, it's interesting. Something comes across differently when you see it versus you hear it. Um, you often maybe even picked up things that maybe we didn't because we were watching the the visuals and all the other stuff going on. 
Uh, you know, it was funny. You know, I think about what was the famous, it was the famous, you know, uh, Kennedy Nixon debates. Remember all those? And like, there was a moment where they said, okay, well, so and so won. But people who listened on radio thought somebody else won. And yet, you know, so who did you think from hearing it, David? This is really great. I'm glad you're calling. Well, you have to remember, I'm a Democrat, but I'm an honest Democrat. And what my opinion is, I thought it was basically a draw. I thought the governor did a decent job of deflecting uh, Zeldin's attacks. I thought Zeldin was a little bit overenthusiastic with some of his uh, statements, and he didn't explain some of his policies. So in the end, I think this isn't really going to affect the race one way or the other. I think if if you had your mind made up before, you're not going to change your mind. Do you think now we've been hearing some callers tonight saying that they think he's going to win? What do you think is going to happen? I keep saying, David, that, you know, 14 days in politics is really it's like 14 lifetimes, you know, because there's a lot that could happen between now and then. But what do you think? All right. Well, the Democrats that I talk to, and this is where I think the problem is going to be, there is an enthusiasm issue with the governor. She doesn't seem to inspire a lot of people getting rah, rah, rah and want to rush out and and vote on November 8th. So unless something happens to change that, I'm afraid this race could be much closer than uh, some Democrats are predicting. And Zeldin may actually pull it out in the end, which I personally find to be frightening. But I'm sure most of your listeners would be happy about that. That's a great point, David, in terms of the enthusiasm, because I agree with you. I, you know, I have friends all over the dial, and I don't know if I have anybody who's like, God, I can't wait to vote for her. Um, and often that energy, and if they're close on polls, um, and that's why I keep saying to you, he has momentum. If you look at, like, races and you think about races, um, usually the ones who win are the ones who have the momentum in the final days, and that momentum keeps going, that people are excited, they're driven, they want to go out to the polls, they have a reason to vote. And if the race is tight, usually it goes in that person's favor. To that point, I believe Zeldin is in that position. And he certainly didn't hurt himself tonight, which which you agree. And I don't think there was anybody who, after tonight's debate, said, boy, I got to get off my butt and vote for Hochul because she's going to do blank, blank. Do do you? I I don't think it changed that energy. So if he could keep that up. Um, and I think I think he had to be energetic, actually, David, because I think if he was kind of docile as she was more, you know, in terms of just demeanor and style, I don't think he would have punched through. And I think I think it, he would not have been effective because his people want him to fight. They see a New York that's falling apart. They see a New York where economy is bad. They see uh, crime is bad. They see all these things and they want someone who's going to fight for them. They don't need to elect more of the same. You know, and they need someone who's going who's a fighter and he needed to show that fighting spirit. And to that point, I think he was effective. Uh, David, thank you. Great to get your call. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Let's go to Steve um, on line eight. Steve, your thoughts. Hi, I'm a conservative Democrat from Queens. I thought Zeldin made enough points to make himself as a very credible candidate to where he points is where it's a fight right now. That's very important going to the last two weeks. Uh, The governor did not inspire me. I can't imagine if I'm a member of a union such as DC 37 or the teachers union, I'm going to be going out and getting called. Okay, go, let's go vote for her. She's not an enthusiastic person to vote for. I, I agree with the last caller on that. And I think that his policies are very, very straightforward. You ride the subways, you see what's going on. And today, people get, it's not just violent crime, people are getting mugged, people are getting, you know, knifed, grabbing, sold out the tracks. 
that's what the mayor and the governor are talking about. And I think that he hit that point very, very well. That's a very, very big telling point. Now, do you the think he could have done, think, by the way, Steve, do you think he could have done more? I think he yeah. actually could have even hit that point even harder. He should have hit it crime harder and education harder. Education is an issue Democrats run away from because they're tied like the umbilical cord to teachers unions. That's why. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Steve, thank you. You were great. Thank you. Let's go to Dom, line one. Dom, your thoughts about the debate? Yeah, hi, Rita. If there ever was a real-life Cruella lookalike, Kathy Hochul wins the Oscar. Oh, so, you, so you think you look? Uh, she looked like Cruella? Why do you think she yeah, looked like Cruella? Why both in her look and in her performance? Because, you know, she kind of slipped through some of these questions without looking to even answer. But if New York ever gets, I think it will, Zeldenized, I'll go back for a visit after nearly 10 years just to eat a New York Empire dog at Times Square. So, you know, I went to school at NC State and loved to drive to New York City every chance I got because it was, you know, about six to eight hours drive. But New York has now become a mafia city with crime being normalized by the powers that be. So here's all I got to say. Let's Zeldonize New York and make it, uh, you know, a welcome place for tourists. And and uh, your other message is stay away from Cruella. Is that the other part of it that you're That's saying? That's right, exactly. <laughs> Dom, you're great. Thank you very much, my friend. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, let's go to let's go to Stan. Line four, Stan. What did you think of the debate? Fifty-one forty-nine, Hochul. That's how it'll be. Fifty-one. 40. As far as what I just heard from some of these people, look, she sounded as if she was in the closet talking when she was having the debate. She did. That's the way she is. She did. She's yeah. very low key. She now, always has been. Now, let me ask you, though, Stan, do you think it was too low key? Because I agree no, with you. She no, was low key. I don't think he put a glove on her at all. She, hey, look, he has nothing to back him up. Nothing. What, is, what has he done? And that's the point. Who is he? We, he's nothing. He's a member of Congress. Yeah, but what has he done? We know he was. Didn't we know one thing? He wasn't. Didn't believe that there was a right election. He didn't want to talk about that. I'm not talking Trump now. He. uh, The most important thing to me was he denied that the election uh, before was uh, was legitimate. Then he sent the emails and so forth. So who is he? Well, he explained that, by the way, Stan, hold on on one second, because he did explain that. He said part of the reason I picked it was because of questions with two states. And he said it was very specific as to why he turned those down um, and why he said that he had questions with them, because he said in the Pennsylvania case, which is correct, the courts decided it where the court should not. It should have been the state legislature doing the determination of votes. Now, you could beg that maybe the outcome would have been the same. We don't know that. We're not going to get into all that. But the point was, he said it's a, it was a very much a procedural question. And a lot of people actually thought that one was the strongest one that could have actually gone up to the Supreme Court for the Supreme Court to decide, no, 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 you're right. It's It says the state legis- that legislators, not the court, should decide on that. So he said... Very much, I don't, I believe in election integrity. He also said, if I lose this one, I'm going to, you know, I abide by it. You know, it's not like he's like some, uh, he doesn't believe in any elections, but he said there are certain specific things. I don't think, you know, your point, Stan, that she was very cool and sort of in a closet. I'm not sure. You just heard what Dave said, who called before you. Dave's a Democrat, a self-professed Democrat. He said he felt that she didn't inspire anybody, and and you clearly Rita, are not a fan of Lee's, you know Lee's Eldon's. Almighty Rita, 
She doesn't have to inspire. She just got to get the job done. Oh, you Sometimes, know what, Stan? Hey, Stan, Stan most, hang on a, a second. Stan, let me tell you one thing. If somebody's going to represent a state that is falling apart, and you can't tell me New York isn't falling apart, you better stand up for this state and stand up for the people. And you sit there and think that someone can sit back and, like, sip tea and pretend like they're a governor or lead a state? That ain't going to work, my friend. And especially at a time where people are dying and crime is escalating and the economy is escalating. That is so unfair to every New Yorker. Go ahead, Stan. First of all, you don't have to be uh, a superstar with a big mouth to become governor in this state. You can, you can be minimal. We had Calvin Coolidge as a president. He got things done. I didn't like him 900 years ago. But the point is that she has a record. You can co- complain about it. You can criticize. But she's got a better – this guy has no record and so we don't know what he's going Well, we do know what he's going to do on some things. So I think, in the end, the independents and the Democrats who may be disgusted may, may be the decision-maker, especially the independents. I, I, uh, I think that's it. But the fact is, on Election Day, and you, and you had what's-his-name on last night, uh, that guy who worked for Clinton. That Dem- Democrats Dick Morris, been, Dick right, Morris right. who worked for he Clinton. Said Democrat, yes. right. He said uh, Democrats have been coming out to vote more in this thing. That's a good sign. I'm glad to hear that. I hope all of us go and vote. I'm voting, and I'm sure not going to vote for him. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I. By the way, I would not expect you to in any shape or form. And Stan, if if it's you said it's going to be her, fifty-one to forty-nine. So you know. So you know. I'll have to buy you. A, I don't know a beer or a cupcake or something if you're win. All right. Cupcake. A cupcake. Definitely <laughs> cupcake. All right. Hostess. Hostess. All right, hostess with the mostest. Thanks so much, Stan. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. I think Stan is going to owe me a cupcake. Because he thinks that Too Cool for School Hochul did a good job. And she can just ride on her record, ride on on the ferry carpet. I think she looked too just docile in the debate. I thought Lee Zeldin's energy was good. And I thought that is what New Yorkers want. New Yorkers are fed up. I think if you're happy with everything that's going on in the state, and I don't know anybody who is, then maybe Hochul is your gal. But I think Lee made a very effective point by saying, if you want change, if you want to make sure that people aren't leaving New York at a record pace, if you aren't happy with the crime or the economy or any of these things, then vote for change and vote for me. And I don't know if she made a convincing case to say, hey, stick around. You want more of it? It's like a punching bag. Hey, you want it again? one 800 848 Let's go to Al. Line four. Al, your thoughts about it. Hey, good evening. Thanks for taking the call. Um, in this case, this election is not about how you present yourself. It's more about the issues. And that's all that it's going to come down to. And he's on the right side of the issues, uh, Lee Zeldin. So I think 
not only did he do great in this debate because you know he just he just has the right he's on the right side of the issues but i think he's going to take it to the finish line and win this election because you know when the mayoral election um and i and by the way al i just think when i just think al that people are fed up i think that's what it is i think people are fed up they you know now they're seeing the numbers too to your point crime is so bad and i think all of that is hitting home this is the rita cosby show on the red apple podcast network this is the rita cosby show on the red apple podcast network talking on the Rita Cosby show about two huge debates tonight. There was also another one in Michigan. We're going to get to that as well. Of course, Tudor Dixon, Gretchen Whitmer. Boy, these are big, big ones. I mean, this was like debate night, like debate casino, if you will, tonight. And we're going to continue talking about the Zeldin Hochul race, of course, for New York governor. That was a biggie because there was a big contrast in style and messaging on both. But first, the other thing I want to bring up, and we're going to be talking about this a lot later on in the show in about half hour or so, but I just want to give you a little flavor because there could not have been almost a bigger contrast in style of the debates between the debate for New York governor with Zeldin and Hochul, which I think had energy. I think there was some back and forth as opposed to the Fetterman-Oz debate which was just really weird. It was odd because here he is. um, And listen, he had a stroke. I give anybody credit who can get up there and the whole world is watching a debate. Of course, everybody wanted to see how would Fetterman do? Would he be able to like speak, get out a sentence? He had closed captioning. You could see it. These big, huge monitors. And literally all the words were on the monitor except for his answer. And so he could see the questions. He could see the other answers from Oz. Um, There wasn't really that much back and forth in that. And in fact, what was really odd was at the very beginning of that debate, if you guys were watching it, it was so weird because I thought even the moderators were trying to clearly cater to Fetterman at first because they were like, Mr. Fetterman, what do you think of this? Like they were waiting for the prompter to kind of catch up with him, the closed captioning, because he needs that because of the stroke that he had recently. And so there were some really weird moments during the debate watching him. And I thought, look, he got through it. He did throw some barbs at Dr. Oz. There were some moments there. Um, Oz got in some jabs on him, too. But it was a much more sort of manicured debate. And I actually thought the moderators in that one did not do a service to really either candidate because they didn't kind of allow them to go free form. It was so tight. And I think that was a lot in part probably to help Fetterman or what he wanted, the rules he agreed to. But it was like, here's your answer. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. Here's your answer. I always think the best moments in a debate are the ones you can't script. Somebody says something and then you give them a zinger and they get kind of off their message and then you come back at them again in the sort of back and forth moments. Those are often the most revealing. And there wasn't really, they didn't construct it in that way. And I think that that helped Fetterman. I don't think 
he was gangbusters in the debate. Don't get me wrong by that. But I think they really kind of manicured it and made it very organized, probably to help him. And I don't know if it allowed for a punch-out moment from Dr. Oz. Uh, nor do I think there was any punch-out moment from Fetterman, because if you listen to him, when he opened up the debate, I was like, oh, my God, how is this guy going to get through an hour? Because it was really odd. All I kept thinking about is, should he make it to the U.S. Senate? Because this is a very pivotal Senate seat. It's the Pat uh, Toomey seat. Pat Toomey is leaving. He's the Republican. Um, and now it is an open seat, it will be. And, of course, uh, Fetterman, the lieutenant governor, far, far left lieutenant governor, very much a soft on crime type guy. Um, he is hoping to now turn that seat blue. So that's why that's a huge deal. And, of course, Dr. Oz, I thought, uh, served himself well. And he wants to keep it in the red. And he wants to be the next governor, the next senator, rather, from Pennsylvania. But the first thing that was so weird was the very beginning of that debate. Take a listen. Here is Fetterman at the very start of the debate. And remember, it's the opening of the debate. So the first thing you say is, hi, good evening. You don't say, good night. That's usually when you're leaving to say goodbye to somebody, right? So listen, there's a whole bunch of kind of weird verbiage in this. This is his very first opening remark where he says hi good night everybody it's like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. you're thinking is he gonna make it through this hour like it's like you know like you know god i need some more popcorn for this one take a listen here is fetterman this is the lieutenant governor far 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 left candidate from pennsylvania hi good night everybody i'm running to serve pennsylvania he's running to use pennsylvania Here's a man that spent more than $20 million of his own money to try to buy that seat. I'm also having to talk about something called the Oz rule, that if he's on TV, he's lying. He did that during his career on his TV show. He's done that during his campaign about lying about our record here. And he's also lying probably during this debate. And let's also talk about the elephant in the room. I had a stroke. He's never let me forget that. And I might miss some words during this debate, mush two words together, but it knocked me down, but I'm going to keep coming back up. And this campaign is all about, to me, is about fighting for everyone in Pennsylvania that ever got knocked down that needs to get back up and fighting for all forgotten communities all across Pennsylvania that also got knocked down that needs to keep get back up. That needs to keep get back up and good night, everybody. So do you think he is mentally fit? That's a fair question to be in the U.S. Senate. They're not going to be able to give closed captioning every time he comes in to give a speech or if he's meeting with someone. Maybe he'll have closed captioning in his office or something like that. How long will he need closed captioning? That was the other thing. They asked about, like, will he release his full medical records? And... He said, my doctor says I am fit to serve, and that's why I am, quote, stand up here. I mean, there's some really odd verbiage. In other words, I'm not going to release my full medical records. I'm only going to release the partial ones. It turns out his medical doctor is one of his big donors. So no politics there whatsoever. Like, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions here that definitely uh, belie. Well, here is Dr. Oz, because Dr. Oz tried to stay focused on the facts, and also stay focused on issues as opposed to what was clearly an impediment uh, mentally 
and physically from his challenger. Here's Dr. Oz. If we've got 4% waste and fraud, we ought to be, take, to be able to take care of that. John Fetterman's, however, response continually is to raise taxes. He raised taxes as mayor. He tried to raise taxes as a lieutenant governor, 46%. That's a big tax rate. He supported Joe Biden's re- recent tax ra- uh, rate increase, and he's done that without paying his own taxes 67 times. I'll say that again. He hasn't paid his own taxes 67 times, but he's raising mine and yours. Those are radical positions. They're extreme. They're out of touch with the values of Pennsylvanians. And I can make the difficult decisions, as you do in the operating room as a surgeon. I'll make them cutting our budget as well. Staying focused on issues, whereas, by the way, Fetterman, like, as you heard right away, he's like lying Dr. Oz, lying Oz, Oz lie, lie Oz. I mean, it was it was such a bizarre debate. And do you think because of that, that this guy, after watching him, clearly still has vocal issues? There's no question in terms of mentally getting the words out. He's juxtaposing words. Is he going to get any better or is this the best he can do? And would you elect somebody, first of all, who clearly is struggling? And second of all, his policies are like uh, left of left of left. You know, he makes Bernie Sanders look like uh, like right wing. (laughs) So that's that's a whole other issue, too. There's a lot of questions here. Well, meantime, of course, everybody is also talking about the Hochul Zeldin debate in New York. And it was very different. That one, as you heard, was sort of like, here's a question, answer, question, answer. And there was this delay because of the whole closed captioning for Fetterman. There were more fireworks, for sure, in the New York debate. And there were obviously also some clear differences, especially when it comes to the issue of marijuana and drugs. Take a listen. Here is a little bit from Lee Zeldin when he was asked about marijuana in the debate just a few hours ago. Recreational marijuana now legal. Does New York have sufficient uh, protections in place to uh, protect the health of young people? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, when I was coming here from my office, I rode the, the two train up and, and I had a lot of members of the media with me. And we were smelling some marijuana along the way. And if you want to come to New York and have your little kids, my daughters are 16, even though they're 16, they're in 11th grade. I'd rather not have to walk down the street with a family exposing my kids to to what they can get exposed to right now. And here's a little bit more about the issue of drugs with Hochul and Zeldin. There are two overdose prevention centers operating in New York City where individuals use their drugs safely and where no one has died from a drug overdose. Do you support the operation of these centers? This is something I confer with my commissioner of health on, and she is supportive of this, but I want to see the more data. And there's always an effect on a neighborhood. You have to be sensitive to where a neighborhood, uh, these are placed in Thank neighborhoods. You. But I'm, I've, I'm laser focused. I lost a nephew to an opioid addiction that started from a prescription he received from a doctor. I have worked for the last eight years as lieutenant Thank governor you, focusing Sokol. on this issue. And you, um, Mr. Zeldin. Heck no. Heck no. Would you? Heck no. She's like, and he's like, heck no. I mean, he was much more clear. He was much more focused and he was much more direct. Uh, let's go to LQ. LQ, your thoughts about this real quick. Uh, God bless you, um, uh, Rita, and to all. Uh, my thing is that uh, Jesus said that you will know them by their fruit. And as far as, you know, um, 
Lee Zeldin being a senator and uh, not doing much, but uh, Governor Hochul and Mayor Adams have higher positions that uh, they could have changed, you know, did something on crime. She's been there a year and a half, and he's been there almost a year. So um, something's got to, you know, it got to change. It got to change with that. The marijuana thing was good. The nursing home point was good. He scored very good. And if more crime happens, she's going to lose. Yeah, I agree. By the way, LQ, I think that uh, crime, and especially if it continues at the pace as we have seen, um, and she kind of was acting like what crime? She was acting, again, like all crime is gun crime. And by getting guns off the street, it was sort of a typical Democratic, uh, everything is guns, guns, guns. And she refused to criticize Alvin Bragg. I mean, she refused to talk about soft on crime DAs. She refused um, to talk about uh, making sure you throw away the keys to repeat offenders, getting tough on them. The furthest she went at one point was there should be consequences to their actions. What does that mean? What Does that mean a, a day behind bars? Uh, or does that mean a couple of years behind bars or lifetime, depending on the crime? You know, I mean, she really, it was stunning that she couldn't give an answer that sounded like she was going to be tough on criminals. And he kept going after her and saying, look, here it is, 10 minutes into the debate, still no answer. 20 minutes into the debate, still no answer. He gave her every opportunity to even come with some, like, political answer, and she wouldn't. And then finally she said, yeah, there should be, oh, no, no, I think there should be some consequences. Well, what does that mean? You know, what, half a day, like a lot of them are getting? She gave no New Yorkers comfort that she was going to go after crime. And the fact, I thought he did a good job at saying, hey, you just talked about subway crime last weekend. Like like suddenly there's some new epiphany. And she brought up that she started to do some things about guns coming in illegally because she saw a trend of illegal guns in January. As if illegal guns uh, just popped up in January and she still never talked about the criminals using the guns. It, it To me, it was so political. And I don't think gave New Yorkers who are worried about security, worried about safety, worried about these crazy lunatics that are pushing people in front of the you know, subway trains and these crazy you know, broad day attacks and these druggies walking around New York left and right. I don't think she gave any of them any comfort to the average citizen who is so worried about what we are seeing in the degradation of New York and these repeat offenders. Uh, let's go to Robert. Uh, Robert on line one. Robert, your thoughts about this? Well, I initially what I wanted to say was she show, she showed coming apart when he brought up about the deaths in the nursing homes. I definitely saw that in her face. She looked down. She had a frown on her face. There was something that really hit her with that. There's something going on there with her about the nursing homes. There's that's that's interesting. There. Robert, you know, hold on one sec. I'm going to play that because um, I want everybody to hear it because I actually agree that it was, I thought, one of his best moments. And I'm glad he, I think it was important that he seized on it because, you know, she went, as soon as she said nursing homes, and remember, she opened the door. Because she actually brought up nursing homes at one point in another answer. And he w- you could see his face like, ha, speaking of nursing homes, uh, here is what he said. Where was my opponent with the deadly nursing home order and cover-up? Why is it that the numbers are still on the Department of Health website that are outdated? What about the meeting with the COVID 
families who lost their loved ones who were promised a long overdue COVID investigation never got, got it? Why don't you speak up with regards to the deadly nursing home order and cover-up? Why aren't you looking into the transparency and accountability that these families of thousands of deceased New York families have? Why don't you stick up for the people who weren't able to see their loved ones in their final hours and being denied? You had time after time after time opportunities to stand up for these families, but you were silent or complicit or out to lunch every time. I don't know what your excuse is. But these families are demanding justice, and they will not rest until they get it. On day one, I will finish what you refuse to start and end. It is interesting because she made a lot of promises. Where did it all go, Robert? Go ahead. We don't know. We don't know. We don't. There's a lot of things we'll never know, and I hope that it does come out. I really do. And one of the other things that happened was she was talking about guns and background checks. Legal guns already have background checks. The legal gun owner already has background checks. They bundle all gun owners in the same conversation about guns and make it look like all gun owners are bad. That's what it's like a stimulus response with Pavlov's dog, the salivation of the dog when they rang the bell. And people get afraid of that. They did the same thing with Donald Trump. They, every time people hear, a lot of people hear Donald Trump's name, they just go, they go crazy. The owners are Oops, put into a pool, and, and, and what they did with the Concealed Carry Act was as much as a misnomer because what they did was they created another situation where it's an actually unconstitutional situation. It was as much of a misnomer as the Inflation Reduction Act. Well, and by it the way, some- you know what's interesting? I was surprised that he didn't reply when a couple times she said, you know, you voted against this, you voted against that. Um, I mean, maybe it would have just spent too much time, but maybe he should have said, hey, the reason I did was there was a lot of pork on other issues or it didn't include blank. Um, it didn't do this. He kind of let some of those go. Um, but you're right. It was almost like like a robot. Guns, guns, guns. Trump, Trump, Trump. And yet nothing uh, to kind of hail her record as to look at all the things I've done um, where there's anything that really stood out in you to say, did it make a difference? 1-800-848-9222. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And we are talking about the New York gubernatorial debate. Here is one of the zingers coming from Congressman Lee Zeldin tonight at the debate. I believe that that mandate was wrong and that everyone who has been fired should be offered their jobs back with back pain. There shouldn't be any special celebrity COVID vaccine mandates like what we saw for people who play for the Mets or the Yankees or the Nets. If you want to have a special celebrity exemption, how about the NYPD officers, FDNY, teachers, healthcare workers? I do not support COVID vaccine mandates in any way, shape or form. I thought that was great stuff. And she said she would do it all over again. No mistakes there. Uh, let's go to Jeffrey, line seven. Jeffrey, your thoughts about it. Hi, Rita. Yeah, you, okay, two quick things. Um, the, the gentleman I called before said uh, that they, he didn't know too much about uh, Zelda. Well, he, he didn't really have a track record. It's kind of like sports. You know, the college guys, they try their heart out because they want to make it to the pros. The pros, she seemed like too laid back, very, very laid back. Uh, Who, she, she was, did? Okay. She seemed laid back. Well, yeah, she just seemed like she was really stoned out. But that's another thing. You can't knock the weed. Don't knock the weed. Okay, weed is out there. Don't knock the weed. However, Hoka looked like a ventriloquist. 
when she speaks. I didn't see her teeth open. I, she like, spoke through her mouth, like, listen here, Shane. Like James Cagney in a way. I was like, whoa. But, um, yeah, no, and then the one, the one clinger is when they asked her what she thought about Biden. Now, anyone in their right mind, and I know you have Democrats they call, and I give them credit. I'm, I'm not a hater. They're enthusiastic, too. But when they call, they get, like, their voice sounds, like, excited, and they get all, like, crammed up inside. When, when, if you're in your right mind, if she said Biden is doing a good job, I, I, that's when I said, oh, boy. Yeah, by the way, I know when she said that, like, he's a, and that history is going to show that, what, he's going to be on Mount Rushmore, like, almost? I was like, boy, she is smoking the weed on that one. The Rita Cosby Show. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment here on the Rita Cosby Show, a powerful story coming from Johnson City, Tennessee. Congresswoman Diana Harshberger and State Senator Rusty Crow, no relation to Russell Crow, honored Korean War veteran Sergeant James Baker last week by awarding and recognizing him for his distinguished service in the Korean War. They presented Baker, who is now 93 years old, with awards from the state and federal government. Baker was never awarded for the injuries that he sustained during his time in the war. While on a six-man patrol in No Man's Valley, Korea, Baker's right leg was hit with shrapnel, and he suffered very extensive injuries. He said, all at once, there was a big bang, and something hit me in the right leg. I had to touch it out, but finally made it back to the line. The medic removed the shrapnel, dressed my leg there in the field. I went back to the six-man patrol, but can't remember how long I was out. Well, they said when they honored him that veterans like Sergeant Baker care more about our freedom and liberty than they do their own lives. Um, not only uh, was he also honored um, with some medals, he was also presented with a flag from the Capitol in Washington, D.C., as well as a flag flown over the state Capitol in Tennessee in his name. How beautiful is that? And beautiful to see him recognized for his great, great service to our country. Well, support for police was very much a topic tonight. And in fact, during the debate uh, for New York Governor Lee Zeldin and Kathy Hochul went at it back and forth. And Lee Zeldin brought up the point, hey, uh, now you're trying to act like you're supporting police. Where have you been the whole time? You're the incumbent. You're there, the governor. You've been there, what, a year and a half? Why haven't you supported them up until like last weekend? Suddenly you had some epiphany. Crime is skyrocketing. And it surely is. I mean, the numbers are staggering. Overall, 31% basically crime is up in New York City, for example. And so crime really took center stage in this debate, as did also immigration. Now, this is interesting because, of course, the big migrant tent city uh, that Eric Adams has set up in New York 
And Hochul was asked, you know, why, you know, if you have a problem with everything, with the migration, um, you know, why are you not maybe calling the governor of Texas? I thought this was actually a good question by the moderator. You know, if you really want to try to solve things, why don't you go governor to governor, call the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, and try to see how you can solve some of these things with illegal immigration? Listen to her answer, which was like, uh, I don't know. Take a listen. Why not call the governor of Texas and say, hey, what are you doing? If you think it'd be useful, I could call him, but I don't think that that's going to change his tune. I know the mayor did outreach. I mean, you know, when you, someone's so intent on politicizing an environment, something we're rather familiar with, with all this conversation all the time about trying to scare people and demagoguery, I, I don't I don't know that I can really get through in a rational way to the governor of Texas, but if all of you think I should make the call, I will. But where I'm working is with the president. Yeah, because the president's doing such a great job with the border. I mean, that was such a political answer. And Zeldin went right back at her about the Democratic hypocrisy, especially under Hochul in the state of New York. Listen to this one. Listen, the, the fact is that when people were flying into Westchester Airport, Stewart Airport, Montgomery, my opponent has she has nothing to say. She, people, people of New York are demanding transparency. They want to know who's coming, where are they coming from, who they are, where they're going, but nothing until she found her boogeyman. As soon as the buses start arriving, then she's making believe like this is the entire problem. Now you want to provide the transparency to New Yorkers because you owe it to them. And then you pick up the phone and you call Joe Biden and you say, Mr. President, you have to secure the southern border. Finish construction of the border wall, end catch and release, enforce the remain in Mexico policy. Instead of attacking support our customs and border patrol agents, stop incentivizing and rewarding illegal entry. The people who are being flown up, not only are they getting a flight with this Biden travel agency, they get a phone to boot. And I thought that was great. She didn't know what to say on that. And also, he kept going after her about why are you not going after criminals? You're just talking about guns, 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 a big old political spin around. But you're not going after the criminals who are committing the crimes. And she really had no answer. Take a listen. You know, it's amazing that we're going to be able to go through the entire crime conversation of this debate. And we're still waiting for Kathy Hochul to talk about actually locking up criminals. I mean, people are at home waiting for action to make sure that the handcuffs are going on criminals instead of law-abiding New Yorkers so that people can go walk the streets of Manhattan instead of having to call an Uber just to go two blocks because they're afraid. People who have changed their behavior, they're not riding the subway at the same hours. Maybe they're Jewish, they take their yarmulke off because they're afraid of being attacked. Maybe there is a woman, they tell me these stories of having to hug a pole or grab a guardrail because they're afraid of being pushed in front of an oncoming subway car. There are criminals out there who need to pay the consequences for their action instead of the catch-release policies that Kathy Hochul champions. And she didn't really have a comeback for that. So did it change the dynamics in the race? He's got the energy. He's got the momentum. And you just heard from one of our callers who thought she looked like a ventriloquist doll. Uh, what do you guys think? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Veronica. Veronica, your thoughts about the debate tonight. Go ahead. You're in Maryland. Go ahead. Uh, yes, I wanted to put my two cents in. Um, your gentleman caller, I think his name was Stan, called earlier and, and had an illogical argument. He said Zeldin didn't have enough of a record, and Hochul does. Well, yes, Hochul has a terrible record, and Zeldin doesn't, but I didn't hear that argument when Barack Obama ran for president. He had no record either. 
Yeah. And by the way, he had much less, if you will. Um, exactly. I mean, you know, um, you're, you, that's a great, great point. I mean, she was trying to find something to say, I'm the incumbent. I'm doing this. The problem that she has is where he was going. And I think he could have even hit it even harder um, where he said, New York wants change. Like, in other words, yeah, you know, you here's your track record with New York State. He's not the New York State governor, obviously. He is a congressman, um, and he has done some things. I think maybe he should have rattled off some of the things he's done as a member of Congress. I think that might have helped him. Um, but maybe it would have taken the direction, you know, then she would have got, you know, maybe it would have taken the debate off track, but maybe should have thrown that in at some point. But what his argument was you have a track record in New York, and we don't like it. I mean, look at the numbers. Look at crime. Look at economy. Um, look at issue with immigration. Look at that. Look at all you know the politics of it all. Um, and so you know, in a way, it was effective that he's sort of the quote outsider, and maybe he wanted to keep that sort of outsider position and outsider feel. And yet, she is sort of the seasoned politician who is all talk. Um, and maybe he could have made that point clearer. Um, but but that's a fair point. Veronica, thank you very much. Let's go to Pete. Uh, line six. Pete, your thoughts. Hi, Rita. I watched the debate with uh, Zellman and uh, Hochul uh, intently. I think that uh, Zellman, he, he just, he, he was a gentleman. I mean, you know, he... He was very polite to her. I don't. I can't really say I think she deserved to be polite to put on. When you're speaking with a woman, you should always be polite. So that's my feeling. And uh, I think he scored very big. I mean, I really feel that. Afterwards, they had their commentators, but it was so biased, I just turned it off. The first words out of the guy's mouth, I just said, this is, you know, this is wrong. It's, well, and, they're and, very and, and at certain points, Pete, first off, I want to say when you said that you should be nice to a woman, your mama raised you right. I'm really proud about that. That's beautiful. That's so I give you kudos to that. I always love putting you on here, Pete, because you're great. Um, second of all, I also think that you're right. Like I heard the commentators afterwards and it, there were moments in the debate where it was like commentators and Hochul on Zeldin. And given the fact that he was walking into, you know, fairly uh, liberal arena, if you will, on, on many levels, um, I thought he did a good job because uh, the deck was sort of stacked against him a little bit. And I thought he did, you know, a decent job of punching through about pay for play with her, these allegations. She denies it, but I thought he was effective at bringing up the point about pay for play. It came up a couple times. The moderator did ask that. I thought on crime, I thought he did a good job. He kept highlighting that she wouldn't answer. I actually think he should have been even more direct and more tough and said, this, you know, we, we need to change. We need this. But I think he showed energy. And I think, you know, at a time right now where there is such a mess in New York, um, you want someone who's going to roll up their sleeves and work and make a difference. And did you feel like Hochul was going to roll up even one sleeve? Go ahead, Pete. What do you think? Well, you know, really, he he did a he he got all the points. He hit on all the points, and she was just like she looked like a deer. 
getting hit with headlights, you know. And tomorrow I'll be at the memorial at St. Pat's for Bernie. Oh, good, and, good, uh, good, good. I, yeah. You know, a beautiful, in fact, big, big tribute, everybody. Um, and, and Pete, thank you, too, also for reminding me, because everybody at 10 o'clock tomorrow at St. Patrick's, there will be a beautiful, beautiful mass honoring our beloved Bernie McGurk, of course, who passed away recently, not just a colleague at WABC, but a dear friend uh, to so many of us, including me. And there will be a beautiful special mass in his honor tomorrow at St. Pat's. Everybody's invited. Uh, if you plan on attending, everybody, RSVP at WABCRadio.com. you got to sign up, RSVP at WABCRadio.com. So make sure you sign up, Pete, if you haven't done that already. And again, it's going to be tomorrow uh, at 10 a.m., remembering the extraordinary life and extraordinary man who was a dear friend to so many of us, the great, great uh, Bernie McGurk. Thanks so much, Pete. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Mike in Woodside on line four. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts. Hey, Rita. The, the bottom line here was uh, Hochul basically was a cure for insomnia. She, she basically put you to sleep. It was all slogans. There were very few specifics. You know, I used to report to you on uh, FNC when, when you were there, when I was a, a journalist based in the Philippines. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the types of scandals that she's been involved with, whether you're talking about her husband and Delaware North, the, the stadium that's being constructed up there, all these issues are just one thing after another after another, supply issues. They all sound like something, you know, that, that you'd hear in a third world government. And she didn't really answer any of those topics. You know, these are real issues. Uh, that are specifically dealing with billions of dollars uh, in, in, in issues, and she never really specific, whereas Lee Zeldin had specific. Lee acted like a leader. Opal was basically horrible. Yeah, I think he looked like a leader who wanted to get things done, and she sort of sat back, like you said. Her, her sort of looking, and I, I kind of use the phrase, too cool for school. Like, she looked a little bit like, oh, I don't really need to be here, but I'm just going to kind of be here, and boy, I've done so much, and blah, blah, blah. And I don't think, by the way, um, anybody can kind of, like, take votes for granted and act that way. And I think especially when, if you look at the record in New York State, there's not a lot to be bragging about. Um, so there wasn't too much to be cool for school about. And I, I think his energy and his oomph um, I thought was very effective and I think sends a message that he is going to work for you and he wants to change New York. And, you know, at the very end, I thought he was very effective where he said, you know, listen, uh, there was an other moments in New York where we called for a change and uh, it was effective and it was good and it changed things. And this is another moment right now where we absolutely need change. And do you want to keep going down this path? And, and everybody kind of walking down the streets. Do you want to keep seeing crime get even worse? Do you want to see immigration get worse? Do you want to see the economy get worse? Uh, why not go for change in somebody who really cares about the city and cares about the state, cares about all the aspects of New York State? And I thought that was very effective in many, many ways. Mike, thanks so much. And everybody, before we go, I want to get your thoughts also on the other big debate, uh, the Oz Fetterman one. Take a listen to this wild exchange. This is Dr. Oz and also John Fetterman. This is for the Pennsylvania Senate seat. It's an open seat. Pat Toomey, who is retiring, Republican. And this is just a wild exchange. Remember, Fetterman is looking at a monitor, closed caption, because he had a stroke. But this is just one of these weird moments in the debate. Take a listen. 
There's one person on this stage who's broken the law, we believe. John Fetterman took a shotgun, chased an unarmed African-American man, and put the gun, apparently, according to that man, to his chest. John, you weren't pulled over by the police. Uh, they let you go. You were the mayor at the time. Why haven't you apologized to that unarmed, innocent black man who you put a shotgun to his chest? All right. We will allow a 30-second response to that, Mr. Fetterman, specifically what he was saying referring to the incident in Braddock. No. I, I made the opportunity to defend our community as the, the chief law enforcement officer there. Everybody in Braddock, uh, an overwhelmingly majority uh, community of, of black uh, community all understood what happened. You know, they uh, they understood what happened, and everybody agreed that. And nobody believes that it was anything about me making a split second decision to to defend our community as well. Why not apologize? Uh, uh, and also, then there are these weird moments, these weird pauses that we heard in the Fetterman debate. Because remember, uh, he just got over the stroke. And his answers were like, he was reading the answers, which, you know, I think it's good that they did that to help him. But it made the debate so weird because there were all these long, weird pauses. And also, it made me wonder if he goes to the Senate, if he gets elected, uh, because right now that's a tight race, too. He's actually ahead uh, a little bit, but the race is definitely tightening with Fetterman and Oz. There's no question about it. But when you listen to it and you're kind of like, listen, you're thinking, how is this guy going to legislate? Because so much of what they do, they're on the floor of Congress. They're talking about politics. They're talking about issues. They're debating issues. They're presenting. Um, how is this guy going to, like, present on Capitol Hill? Do you think, after watching the Fetterman-Oz debate, that Fetterman is fit for office? It is a very fair question. And I'm not sure after watching him. I'm honestly not sure. I mean, he got through it, but there were some just weird, wacky moments. Take a listen, like, like listen to this long pause. 51% of Pennsylvania voters disapprove of the president's job performance. You have publicly supported many of his policy positions. Are there any that you disagree with? 30 seconds. No, I, I just believe he needs to do more about supporting uh, and fighting about in, in inflation. Uh, and I, I do believe he can do more about that. But uh, at, at the end of the day, I think Joe Biden is a good, good family man. And I believe he stands for the union way of life. And I believe that employment, unemployment is already down to the lowest level in the last 50 years. That pause was real. It was like a uh, question, uh, answer. Is he fit for office, guys, especially those who watched it? I mean, he looked like a big old lug. It was kind of odd, too. And it was like this big monster and, you know, Oz manicured. It was just a whole different look. Um, and then, of course, he was asked, will you release all your medical records? Because the physician who watched him, by the way, is one of his donors. What a surprise. And so far, he's only released partial information about his stroke. So the obvious question is, why don't you share everything so all the voters of Pennsylvania can see exactly what you have in your medical history? Listen. Yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Fit to be serving, and that's why I'm standing. Is this guy ready to go to the Senate? 
or did it seal the deal for Dr. Oz? We're going to take your calls after the break. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. So you saw it right before your eyes, one of the weirdest debates, I think, in political history because... Fetterman, this is the guy who's running against Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania in a really key seat, uh, needed that close captioning. And there were these long delays, these long pregnant pauses, and he juxtaposed words left and right, uh, wouldn't release his full medical records. And Oz kept coming after him, not about health, actually. He kind of let Fetterman kind of show it for himself, uh, but he went after him on issues. And said, this guy is soft on crime. This guy held a gun to somebody and got away with it. I mean, it was just weird moments. Uh, let's go to Richard. Richard, you're in Pennsylvania. Your thoughts about the debate. What did you think? Well, first of all, the guy, six, Fetterman, is six feet nine. When he sticks his arms out to either side, you have tattoos running up the inside of his arms. You talk about Cruella. Look at his wife. You know, he is married. And that woman looks like the the woman that Cruella's imitating. My God. Well, and, guy, and, and and by the way, Richard, sort of separate, you know, appearance. How do you think he did on the debate? What I do you think? From- absurd. You haven't had time to go through all these crazy gobbledygook statements. You get into his statements. He doesn't. You try to put the last word and connect it to the first word he said, and you get lost along the way. He makes no sense in what he's saying. He. He, 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 he creates words out of syllables that are just gobbledygook. This, this debate that he, his presentation is far worse than you've been able to expostulate here. You do it tomorrow and you go through all these things, the man is an absolute disaster. And by the way, Richard, I will actually be doing more of it tomorrow. We have a lot, obviously, on our plate tonight. But you're right. He was kind of flipping words. Like even when he said... Uh, I'm uh, standing here up, you know, I mean, it was just like, it was like, oh, translation is, I mean, I, I don't think he can be effective in the Senate. Um, if, if they're not going to have like a, you know, a closed captioning right in front of him, I've never seen that. I mean, how do you, how do you campaign when you can't speak? How do you get out there and translate and help voters? Um, and I, and it's still not clear and he wouldn't release the full medical records that I thought was interesting. You know, if there's, you know, everybody I think has compassion for the stroke and what he went through, but I think it would answer a lot of questions if his doctor said, oh, he's going to be fine in two weeks, like everybody else, or maybe the doctor who's his donor, by the way, uh, you know, maybe he sees uh, a big old, uh, issue and he has something to hide. Why not share it? You know, I there's a lot of questions, and I agree with you. I thought it was just weird. Um, let's go to Dave in Pennsylvania. Go ahead, Dave. Your thoughts, real quick. Hi, Rick. Thank you for taking call. Yeah, I just thought that uh, Fetterman looked like uh, an encumbered, oversized Uncle Fester who just muddled through his words, and he would repeat statements to try to like emphasize, and it take a while to warm up. Definitely doesn't have the intellect that would be necessary to, you know function responsibly in the Senate. However, I will say this, that's the perfect candidate the Democrat machine would want because they can control and manipulate him any which way they'd want, just like Biden. And in the the debate, he was worse than than Biden was when Biden uh, uh, 
That's an interesting point, Dave. You're right. They can manipulate them. Boy, can they. The Rita Cosby Show on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.